Yeah, this is just super strange. This is really hard. I do want to add one other thing. Uh, I got in the mail, uh, in my email, the governor sent out a, for the state of Montana, kind of all the restrictions that are going on. And uh, I do want to just kind of verify. I talked to Michon, and, and Michon let me know that our city manager has also closed down churches this next week. Uh, as a staff, we can come into work, but we our doors have to be closed, and we can only probably deal with people by appointment and things like that. So we just kind of wanted you to know that. If you need us for anything, you can call us. Uh, we want to be here for you as best we possibly can, and uh, we're going to try to keep just moving forward and just kind of get through this. But I believe God is doing a good thing, and I think things are going to turn out well. And, uh, and especially after praying things like what Daniel led us in. We, yeah, we want to pray for victory. Yes, for a vaccine, but let's pray for victory. And let's pray for God to move in a mighty way. Now, I just want everybody out there to know, <clears throat> obviously, this is really strange. <clears throat> Excuse me. Strange for me to do this. But uh, I have a few people here that I can look at. And these are my really close friends now, right, here in this room. <clears throat> Not that you aren't, but uh, it's just unusual. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach God's word the best I know how. And I, gotta, I, I, I think I just got to be me, even though I'm a little bit constricted here, uh, restricted up here. So anyway, I, I have a word that I feel like I, I, I feel impressed in my spirit to bring <clears throat> earlier uh, in the week... <clears throat> Excuse me, could I have some water in case I need it? My glass is right there, and I, I ran out. Sorry, out there. Um, I, I was in my devotional time uh, Monday or Tuesday. I don't remember what day it was. And I felt like the Lord dropped in my spirit these words. This is a wake-up call. And at first, I didn't exactly know what it meant but I was obviously, everything going on with the coronavirus and, and all that stuff happening all over the land and indeed all over the world, I just really felt like the Lord was saying, thank you, that the Lord was saying to me that what's going on here is in part a wake-up call. Now, when I heard that, let me, let me be clear about what I didn't hear. I didn't hear the Lord saying that he was finding fault or blame with the church for the current crisis that we're in. Uh, you know, sometimes when the world experiences something like this and there's a tragedy that goes over the land, it's, there's a temptation sometimes to find fault for why these kinds of things happen. And sometimes, even in the church, We'll, we have a tendency somehow to maybe turn it on ourselves as though if the church were doing a better job at being the church, things like this wouldn't happen. And I know that as a church and a member of the church that we're not perfect and no one is. And we could always do better one thing or another. But I, I really didn't feel like the Lord was saying that this is a crisis of fault. But I do believe that it is a crisis of faith. In other words... Are we, what are we going to do when the storm rages and when the enemy comes in like a flood and, or when a virus sweeps over the land? Are we going to be a people of faith 
or are we going to be a people of fear? And so I really felt like the Lord was saying to the church in my, in my spirit that the Lord wanted us as a church to understand that this, what is going on to us, the church, the believers, is a wake-up call. And when I received that word, I immediately thought of that passage in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. If you have your Bibles at home, I would encourage you to open there with me because I, I want to read this parable of Jesus about the end of the age. And so if you'll turn there with me, I want to get back at this. Jesus gives a parable here that is essentially about people being awakened to the coming of the Lord or before the coming of the Lord in a time where God is going to move on the earth. And I want us to look at it together, and I want to read it, and I'm going to say a few things about it, and then give some thoughts, that, things that I feel like the Lord is calling the church, awakening the church to. But listen to the parable or follow along in your Bibles. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, listen to those words, while the bridegroom was delayed, the delay of the coming of the Lord, while he was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. All the church, as it were, fell asleep. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy... The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. Or another, that's another way of saying, it's too late. And then Jesus said these sobering words in verse 13. Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So that's God's Word. And I, I want to just take a moment and pray over what I'm going to share with you right now. And let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you for your presence here today. And again, like, we've already, like we began our time together, we, we invited your presence, Lord. Even though we are throughout the city and, and over the land here, we are one people, one heart, from wherever we are listening. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would inspire me, anoint me, give me grace to just share your word so that, Jesus, you get all of the glory in all of this. Say what you need to say to us as a church, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. amen. Can I get a good amen out there? Amen. 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 
George Whitfield said, the Christian world is in a deep sleep and nothing but a loud voice can awaken them out of it. The loud voice that George Whitfield is talking about is kind of like the midnight cry that Jesus was talking about, where all the ten virgins were, which was a symbol of the church, the body of Christ before the coming of the Lord, that there was a loud cry, a midnight cry, a sound, which can come by way of the voice of God calling out to his church. Just God speaking to us can stir us and awaken us. But sometimes it also comes through times of crisis, famine, peril, hardship, warfare. These things can serve as a a loud cry like the coronavirus. I think in a way like that among many other things can serve as a purpose uh, like an alarm awakening us. Not just the whole world but especially I believe the church because we are God's instrument. We are God's people. We are God's vessels in the earth today. But it's interesting to me like that the church, all of the church, when I read this passage, and I read it over and over this past week, that all of the virgins, all of those that represented the, bright, the, uh, the bridal shower, so to speak, all of those, all of them fell asleep, the wise ones and the foolish ones. They were, some were prepared and some were ill-prepared, but they all fell asleep, which is a picture sometimes how the church can fall asleep. How that we can go through the motions of our Christianity, go through the motions of our church world, go through the motions of our family, go through the motions of what what we say we believe, and yet we too can find sometimes that we're in a slumber. And it takes sometimes a catastrophic event, not that it should, but sometimes it takes something like what we're going through to stir us as an alarm, to awaken us to what's going on. And I really felt in my spirit, as I said, shared a moment ago, that the Lord dropped that in my heart, not in a condemning way, not in a fault-finding way, but, but something to stir our faith in the times in which we live. Because God wants to do something in the earth. Come on, can I get an amen? God wants to do something in Butte, Montana, in Montana, in the earth, in in the United States of America, in, in Italy, and in China, and all around the world. God wants to move. And sometimes these kinds of things are the things. It's a midnight cry. It's a loud voice. Because sometimes the church falls asleep. And we don't even realize it. One of my, another one of my favorite preachers and authors is R.T. Kendall. And R.T. Kendall said, you don't know you were asleep until you wake up. Come on, haven't you known that to be true? How many times have I sat down to watch a television show only to realize a few moments later that I fell asleep and, I, and usually there's some sort of sound or maybe a commercial comes on that's louder than the show And I'm awakened and I realize I was asleep and I didn't even know it. I fell asleep and I didn't even realize it. It wasn't that I fell off the face of the earth or I fell into some deep sin, but I got going through the motions of my life. I I just, I got comfortable in what, I got comfortable in my comfort zone and I just slowly fell off and nodded into a sleep and I didn't even fully realize it. And I think this is what's happening sometimes with the church. Not trying to be condemning or a downer, but I believe that this is a wake-up call to us. And you don't know sometimes when you're asleep. And 
and, and the church does fall asleep. And why the church falls asleep, there, there's a variety of reasons. Sometimes we, we become inactive in our faith. It's not that we don't believe. We do believe. But there's an inactivity. There's a motionless. There's a kind of a purpose, purposelessness that sets into us. And we just, we're not really as engaged and, in, and as involved in what God is doing in the earth. And we just kind of show up, stand up, sing up, walk out. And just go on with our life, and we're not, but we're not really active in our faith. Another reason why sometimes we fall asleep, we fall asleep with, in an in, indifferent attitude. Not only in an active faith, but we become indifferent in our attitude. And it's a little bit more than inactivity. It's this idea like sometimes when you get hurt in the process of life, when you get let down by the church, when, when, when the world isn't working as it should we can get kind of hardened around our heart and become indifferent to the things of God where we're not reading the Bible anymore. And maybe we show up to church, but we're not excited about church anymore. And, you know, we used to be a part of a small group, but, you know, I don't really have time. And, and, and you can kind of sometimes trace it back to maybe being hurt, maybe being a little disappointed, maybe being a little frustrated with what's going on in the world. And, and we didn't realize that in our indifference, we fell asleep. You don't know you're asleep until something happens and it wakes you up. I think there's another reason why we sleep or how we sleep, and it's being irresponsible, irresponsible in our behavior, inactive in our faith, indifferent in our attitude, and sometimes irresponsible in our behavior. There's a lot of us as believers who are, we know the Lord well, we are born-again Christians, but we're playing with fire. We're walking as close to the edge as we can possibly walk, playing on the fringes, one foot in, one foot out. And that's a spiritual sleep. And it reminds me of Solomon, who had an anointing of God, who had a calling of God, who had a purpose of God, but he was messing around, and he was playing with fire, and he was lulled by Delilah into a deep sleep, where he was stripped of his power and he lost his potential and he missed his opportunity and he didn't know that his power was stripped from him. He didn't know that he missed his opportunity because he was playing a game. He was being God's vessel, but he was also doing things he wanted to do and letting down his standards, not even his standards, God's standards for him. And the church doesn't realize many of the body of Christ today, many people in the body of Christ today, I'm not judging anybody to hell. I'm not saying you've lost your salvation. But some of us are being irresponsible in our behavior and we're in a deep sleep and we don't know it. And so today what I want to do, I believe that the Lord is calling us to wake up. And all, ver all the virgins, the, the five that were wise and the five that were foolish, they all fell asleep, but God is stirring us. And when the midnight cry came, the Bible said they, were, they woke up and they began to trim their lamps. That means they began to arrange it, set it in order, get it ready to be set on fire. But the, 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 the wise had the oil, but the, the, the foolish didn't have the oil. And I believe that this is God's wake-up call. This, these are the things 
These are the wicks we need to trim. These are the things that he's waking us up to. I want to share about three or four of them with you. Things that I just feel impressed in my heart. It's simple, but I believe it's a wake-up call to us. First of all, we need to wake up to the priority of prayer. God, I believe, is waking the church up, getting us back to our high calling, our great purpose, the best privilege, the greatest privilege that we possess as the body of Christ in the earth today is the priority of prayer. And God is calling us to that. He's waking us up to this. James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Look at those words. Let them soak into your spirit. James is saying, Elijah, a man just like you and I, men and women alike, we're just, we're just human beings. But he said, God, when Elijah prayed, God listened and God moved. And not only this, we learn from Elijah that not only do your prayers, here's what we learn from Elijah about prayers. Prayers can start things and prayers can stop things. When he prayed, a famine started because that was God's covenant agreement with the nation of Israel. If you reject me, if you turn away from me, then the land will dry up. And so Elijah, as a man of God, as a prophet of God, was doing what God wanted him to do. And he prayed that into existence, that dry spell into existence. But later, three years later, when God was ready to move, when God was ready to keep his promise, he prayed and rain started to pour out. And God, I believe, is wanting the church to know, listen, your prayers have power with me. You've got to keep it a priority in your life. Every one of us. Listen, a prayerless Christian, according to what James says here, a prayerless Christian is an ineffective Christian. A prayerless church is going to be an ineffective church. I read somewhere where somebody said that prayer is to the church it's supposed to be like the engine, not the caboose. It is our driving force. It is our propelling power. It's not to be some little additional add-on at the end after you've done all the other things that you need to do, and then you add on, and by the way, Lord, bless what we're doing. But rather, it needs to be the engine, the propelling force, the power to... Be an unstoppable force in the earth. Listen, for the glory of God, not for our glory. We need to wake up to the power of prayer. Before I leave this point, let me share one other idea with you. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20, he said, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. And I believe Jesus is teaching us about the power of a green prayer. The other day, I don't know who it was. Somebody, I, I believe it was an Instagram uh, post or it could have been a Facebook. I don't know who it was. I think it was somebody in our church. They posted this picture. I don't know if you call this a meme. I don't know. I have no idea. But anyway, it was a picture of a, of a guy sitting on a street corner and he was holding up a sign. And on the sign it said, where two or three, but not more than ten, are gathered together. 
I love that. Listen, there's just a few of us in this room right now, and there's many of us watching. Maybe later you'll be watching this. And I know for good reason we need to kind of separate ourselves and quarantine ourselves and not get in too large of groups. I understand all that. But listen, there's nothing wrong with people getting together and praying here two or three in appropriate numbers or by way of phone or by way of FaceTime. I was so excited the other day I got a call from someone or a text from someone in our church and they had an impromptu prayer meeting somewhere up on a hill overlooking Butte and things like that. You know, it's so important. Uh, This coming Wednesday, we're going to be praying at 7 o'clock. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know how it's going to go over. But we we can pray. If we can go Facebook Live on Sunday, we can do it on Wednesday. And we can have a prayer meeting. And we can pray and agree together. And we're going to have a little bit of worship. And we're going to have a little bit of prayer. We want you to be a part of it. But we need to wake up to the priority of prayer. We need to wake up to the priority of prayer. We need to trim our lamps with prayer. We need to get things ready because God is up to something good and we need to get ready for it. Amen. 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 The second thing I think the Lord wants us to wake up to is the possibility of faith. The possibilities of faith. What is needed now on planet earth is the people of faith to stand in faith knowing that all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. All things are possible to them that believe. Jesus taught in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 and 23. He said, have faith in God. Say that with me, even at home. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, and you know what a mountain represents. It represents any obstacle, any hindrance, any surmountable problem. It represents the coronavirus. It represents your marriage problems. It represents your financial difficulties. It represents the cancer that's in your body. It represents all of that. He said, you could say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe, everybody say believe. At home too, believe. Listen, I'm starting to feel it now. Let's start over. He said, believe. He said, believe. You believe those things that he says. If you believe the things that you're saying by the faith in God, it will be done. He will have, listen, I love that last phrase. He will have whatever. He will have whatever. He will have whatever he says. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, I'm starting to feel it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you one of the enemies... I want to preach a sermon someday entitled, The Enemies of Our Faith. One of the enemies, I think there are more than one, but one of the enemies, one of the greatest enemies, and I think we've been feeling it recently, one of the enemies to our faith is fear. Probably, maybe the biggest one, maybe the biggest one, that temptation to be afraid, that temptation to be, to fear, to walk in fear. Can I remind you of what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.7? God has not given us a spirit of fear. You have a spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is not afraid of anything. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
That's what you have. You don't have fear. I don't have fear. If I walk in fear, I've chosen to be afraid. Because I don't have fear. I have power. I have love. I have a sound mind. But if, I, if I'm walking in fear, I chose to walk through that door and be afraid. And listen, you always know when fear's in the room because he talks. Fear talks. Fear. Let me give you three words. Fear always. These are the words that he's whispering in our spirit all the time. Worry, hurry, and scurry. He's always saying, worry, you need to worry, you need to think this over, you need to watch the news, you need to read more about this, you need to, you need to make sure, do you have your tape measure, make sure you're six feet away. Make sure, make sure when you go to Walmart, there better not be more than ten people. And constantly, sit down and watch the news, listen, listen, I appreciate the president giving those one hour and two hour uh, addresses every day, he's keeping us aware, but listen, we can't handle in our brain two hours of bad news, of cautionary, it will breed fear in our spirit. And I want to be aware and I want to be alert, but I don't want to be afraid. Because fear says, worry, worry. you got to think about it. Magnify the problem. Make it bigger. Think about it. Think it over and over. Make sure, make sure. And then it, once it gets you into worry, it says, hurry. you got to hurry up. you got to hurry. Hurry. This is panic. This is, you know, i got to hurry up and get to the store. i got to hurry up and buy the eggs before they buy the eggs. i gotta, I got to hurry. i got to hurry there. i got to hurry there. And it's like, and, and we start making rash decisions. Start... We start not, we're not thinking things through we're, because we're in a hurry because that's what fear says. But then it also will say scurry. You need to run. You need to save yourself. Run, run for your life. Run for the hills. Hide away. And I understand we have to be appropriate in our, in our meeting with one another. And I'm, that's not what I'm talking about, but it's that fear that says run. Listen, we're in, we have faith. We're people of faith. Let me quickly, I, I love that story in Acts chapter 27 where the Apostle Paul, he gets on a ship, and I love how he starts this voyage. He says, I just know this is not going to turn out well. That's how he says, I perceive that this is not, that we're going to hit a disaster. That's how, the, that's how the story starts out. As they get going along, a, a storm does arise. And the ship begins to slowly break apart. And the people aboard the ship are throwing off all of their, uh, what is it that they have on there? Cargo. Thank you. They throw all of their cargo over. And then, and then they have a brainy idea. They said, let's kill all the prisoners and make a, make a leap for it. Let's save ourselves. And then that night, an angel of the Lord appeared to Paul. And he said to him, there's 276 of you here. I'm going to say, God is going to save them all. But the only thing is, everybody has to stay on the ship. But by the way, the ship is going to be destroyed, but you won't. The ship will be destroyed, but you won't. Everybody will be saved. Everybody's got to stay aboard the ship. It's falling apart. It doesn't look good. It looks like disaster. But stay on board. You know what Paul did? He stood up in front of all those people and he broke bread with them. And then he said to them, the angel of the Lord stood by my side and he told me, we've all got to stick together. We're going to lose the ship, but our souls are going to be saved. And here's what he said. I believe God. I don't care what the storm says. 
I don't care what the news says. I don't care what other people are saying. I believe God. And I believe all things are possible to them that believe. And I'm praying for a vaccine. But more than that, I'm praying for victory. Flat out. God give us the victory in this. Amen? So we need to wake up to the possibilities of faith. There's a third thing that we need to wake up to in our time. And we need to wake up to the preaching of the gospel. I think now more than ever, we must look for ways to share the gospel to a fearful and bewildered world. Can I tell you that what the world needs now is good news? They need the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Paul said, I live my life to get to the next continent, to the next city, to the next person. Because God's word, God's gospel is powerful to save anyone and everyone. Hallelujah. Man, this is so exciting. Church, we are, we are the heralds. We are. We're the, we're the dispensers of the gospel of God in the face of the earth. And it's so interesting how we can just become so ingrown on ourselves and so about our gatherings and so about our worship, worship gatherings and so about our own Christian life. And, and there's a world out there that needs to feel and hear Jesus. And who knows, but that the airwaves today are are cluttered with the sound of the, of the Word of God, filling the atmosphere all over this land. And I'm not saying that God caused this to do this. I'm saying God is able to work all things together for good and to get the church awake and to stir up the people of God to bring in the harvest. Amen and amen. The other day when we were in our uh, staff meeting, Jessica, our children's pastor, is doing a great job. She she um, brought the devotion for the day and she read, and I believe this was her verses of scripture. If it's not, it's close. It's found in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. But listen to these words. Listen, church. Let, this, let these words rinse over your spirit right now. Paul writes in Romans 10 and he says, how then, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And in that meeting, Jessica was just saying, you know, with everything that's going on, she was just reminding us, this is what, we're about this is what this is who we are and i love that phrase he said how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of feet of of peace and i wouldn't ask anybody here in this room to do this but i know you're at home still in your pajamas and just look down at your feet right now take off your slippers and turn to somebody in your house and tell them i've got beautiful feet if you're a gospel preacher, 
you are a beautiful demonstration of the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ. And the world needs to hear the good news. And I believe the Lord is waking us up. And I think even Daniel referred to it in his prayer time. And I had the thought and the idea in my, and I have it in my notes. And we didn't even compare notes. And so I just really think the Lord is saying something really strong here. I read somewhere the other day where a guy said, he said, the church is the only business that stays in business even when it's gone out of business. And you know, for good reason, they say to us, close your doors. For good reason. They're saying, close your doors, be very careful about how many and keep your distance and all of that. But listen, they can close our physical doors and we're going to comply. But they can't shut the doors that Jesus opens. And I believe, like Daniel was praying about here just today, I I think the Lord, because Jesus said, when I open a door, no man can close it. And it's it's not physical doors. These are physical doors. We'll come back together someday, and it'll be a great celebration. But there are other doors, doors to the kingdom of God, to the will of God, to the gospel of grace. I believe the Lord's opening those doors. And I think we need to walk through those doors because when Jesus opens the door, no one can shut it. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? And so let's look for those open doors. What are the doors in our lives, church? Church, wake up. What's the door that's been opened? What's the door around you? Walk through because people need the gospel. They need the truth. Amen. There is one final thing before I close. We need to wake up to the power of the Holy Spirit of God in every one of us. I want to bring us back, if you have your Bibles, I want to bring us back to that passage in Matthew chapter 25. And I know The story of the passage, Matthew chapters 24 and 25 are a great read. I encourage you to read it because basically it's all about Jesus before he comes again. How we as the people of God need to be prepared and ready and engaged till he comes again. And that he is going to come back. And I remind us all here and out there, Jesus is coming back to this earth again. Amen. But before he does, like what happened in this story, there's going to be a, an awakening. There's going to be a stirring. There's going to be a midnight cry. Notice if you read the story again, notice that the bridegroom, there was a sound, there was a call first, but it was a little while. They had time to trim their lamps. They had time to check their oil before he actually showed up. And I'm not saying the coronavirus is a, is a clear call that Jesus is coming in the next couple of months. Jesus could come in the next couple of months. But I think things like this, things like these kinds of stirrings, are th- these are things like what happens to awaken us as a church to trim our lamps and to get our extra oil. Everybody say extra oil. Because that's what the wise virgins had. They just didn't have oil. They had plenty of oil. They had extra oil. And so there's a stirring going on. But what happened was 
I want to focus in on the oil for just a second. There were wise who had the oil. The foolish didn't have the oil. The oil, I believe, is a representative of the Holy Spirit in some way. The, everybody was awakened. Everybody was stirred. Everyone, all the virgins were trimming their lamps. That word trim means to decorate, to arrange, to make beautiful. That word trimmed by one, one scholar I read said that is the revival activity that happens when there's an awakening. We're trimming our lamps. We're stirring. But not everybody. Some people are just trying to change their life and turn over a new leaf without the presence of God. God doesn't want us just to wash our hands more now and you know, kind of do all the things that are necessary. We're not to turn over a new leaf. God is stirring the church today. And he wants us to understand that our power is in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Those who had the oil were prepared. Those who had the oil eventually were the only ones that could be in the presence of the Lord forever. And I, I'm just, I guess I just want to come back to this idea and remind us that without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. But if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. And we need to wake up to the power and stop feeling like we're powerless and stop living our lives with this sense of we don't have the victory, we don't have the authority. No, you have it. You have the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans 8 and 9 that if we don't have the Spirit, we don't belong to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, though, you have the Spirit. Amen. And we need that power of the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We need to trust Him. And we need to live in the power of His presence every day because we can't be what God called us to be and we can't do what God called us to do in these days in which we live without the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We need to keep our lamps full. Amen. Stay ready and stay prepared. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 5, 14 through 18. He says, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That's the call of the apostle saying, wake up, church. You're the light of the world. Wake up, and God will give you light. And then he went on and said, so we need to, uh, he said, we need to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because it will ruin your life. Instead, read this with me, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we say it again? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are living in evil days. But God has a good will for us, and the way that we walk it out is in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if this quote is going to come up here, but it's by Corey Ten Boom, and I want to read it. Actually, there it is. Praise the Lord. Good things are happening. Corey Ten Boom said, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious work of all. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows right out of you. Hallelujah. I love that. 
That preaches to me all day long because I, listen, we, we can get so exhausted, we can get, it can become so tedious that we fall into another kind of sleep and we're just going through the motions. And we're, we're it's almost like we're sleeping, we're, we're sleepwalking. That's what it's like, we're sleepwalking, we're going through the motions without that sense of power, a sense of grace. But you know what Jesus taught? Anyone who comes unto him and drinks of him, he said, if you believe in me and drink of me, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Church, we're the, liv- we're the rivers of living water by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to wake up to the power of his presence and be the powerful people in the face of the earth that God has called us to be. Amen? Amen. I want to pray, and then after I'm done praying, I think we're going to be done, right? And so, this is really weird. We'll, we'll do a better job next week. But uh, I want to pray. I want to pray over us that God would wake us up. I hope nobody felt any kind of condemning talk here today, but a challenging call that things like this are to wake us up and to stir us, wake us up to prayer. Oh, let me, let me I got one other thing. I got to share this story with you. When I was a kid, I had a friend of a friend of a friend, which means he wasn't my friend. I had a friend of a friend of a friend that used to irritate me. And I hated it when he would come around. Because he would always say, in disagreement to anything that you would say, he would say, I'm going to try to say it like he says it. He would say things like, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. I would hate that. I would say the Cardinals are better than the Cubs. You need to wake up and smell the coffee. I just wanted to hit him right in the nose. (laughs) Church, we need to wake up and smell the coffee. We do need to wake up. We need to wake up to the priority of prayer, to the possibilities of faith, to the preaching of the gospel, and to the power of the Holy Spirit that is in me. So let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you are good and you are always moving. And just like we sang today, Lord, we need a move. We need a move. This world needs a move of God but we need a move in the church of God too. We need a move in your church among your people. And we pray, God, that we will not be swept along in panic and fear, but we will be led by the Spirit of God into times of prayer, into standing in faith, into preaching and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and to doing everything we do out of the outflow of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that your church will stand on our feet and be strong in the evil day and having done everything to be found standing. And Lord, let us help other people to stand on their feet, to be a light, to not live thoughtlessly, and to not live foolishly, but to be wise in the present age and in the present circumstance that we're in honoring those who have the rule over us, 
loving everyone around us and bringing change for your glory and for your name. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for saving us, redeeming us, filling us with your spirit, and giving us a hope and a future. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you.